lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show. Live and on demand, but let's face it, not that much in demand right here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. You can email the program, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter uh, at Steve Dace Show. Look for Steve Dace on MeWe and Gab as well as Parlor, when that eventually returns. If you like censored clips of the program, and who doesn't, right? The only thing better than unfiltered, Steve Dace, is the censored version, where you get even less. Go to youtube.com slash stevedace or rumble.com slash stevedace show. We have a jam-packed show for you today. Missouri Senator Josh Howley will be joining us at the bottom of the hour. Theology Thursday We'll get into the ethics of voting for mental illness. Got to say, when I got into this 15 years ago, didn't think that's a show we'd be doing. But here we are. Right? Now it's kind of all we do. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, And then three non Political questions. I, I I don't know. Are we ten minutes away from voting for pedophiles? What do you think? Or is it fifteen minutes? It's the cost of freedom. It's indeed. It's the it's a blessing of liberty, is it not? <laughs> yes, indeed. So we'll get into that with theology Thursday. Three non political questions and more coming your way. But before we delve into all of those zany hijinks, here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Abandoning Reality to Save Reality. Caitlyn Jenner had his interview with Sean Hannity to talk about his gubernatorial run in California. My friends are leaving California. Actually, they weren't my hangar. The guy across right over from me, he was packing up his hangar. I said, where are you going? And he says, I'm moving to uh, Sedona, Arizona. I can't take it here anymore. I can't walk down the streets and see the homeless. I don't want to leave. Okay, either I stay and fight or I get out of here. Supposedly conservative info babe Tommy Laren says, quote, as crazy as it sounds, Caitlyn Jenner is the most impressive and relatable candidate for California governor I've heard from so far. In other news, CDC director Rochelle Walensky is making the former CDC mask is better than a vaccine director look better every single day as she defended her center's guidance for children in summer camps, including that all those over the age of two should wear masks outside. But doesn't the science say that you're so much less likely to pass it outside? At this point, and doesn't the, the advantage of kids being able to do things, more things, doesn't that outweigh the very low risk? Um, so, you know, I think not all outside is, is um, the same. So outside playing tennis, outside um, swimming, all of those things where you're far apart from one another. If you have a group of 10-year-olds crowded trying to get over a soccer ball and they're all breathing heavily, I think you need to wear a mask because, yes, you, mm-hmm. there's decreased um, infection risk outside. But if you're all breathing heavily on top of a singular soccer ball, um, that has the potential. And we've seen a lot of outbreaks associated with youth sports. Biden Education Secretary Miguel Cardona still can't say whether schools should be open across the country. Is there any defense now for not having all the schools open? 
you know, it, it, one of the experiences that I, one of the things that I learned from my experience is that uh, one size does not fit all. Do you think the school should have been open earlier? You know, it, without looking at the context, it's, it's difficult to answer that. Here's Kamala Harris on the tarmac about to board Air Force Two when she kisses her husband while both are wearing their masks. Daily Defiance, we go to the homeland of the chief choir master of the Branch Covidian cult, Mike DeWine's Ohio, where Jacob goes to Walmart without a mask. Back to New York, where Matt and Tina do their grocery shopping maskless. And finally, Lynn in Virginia, who walks through Ikea, of all places, with no mask, like a boss. The Daily Caller asks random D.C. residents outside how long they want to continue wearing masks. Do you think we should wear masks forever? Indefinitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. Even if you get the vaccine. Do you think we should be wearing masks forever and ever and ever? Leave so. Definitely. Like, you know, you see in a bunch of other countries where they already were wearing masks. I'm an ex-nurse and I agree. It's airborne and we should continue masking until everyone is safe. And now a hodgepodge of news nuggets from around the country. A Wisconsin dairy farmer with two prosthetic legs is suing the Biden administration over what he calls a racist COVID relief plan that disqualifies him because he's white. Adam Faust, who runs a herd of 140 Holsteins on his family farm in Chilton, joined other plaintiffs in the lawsuit filed last week in Green Bay, alleging the loan forgiveness program illegally discriminates against them. At issue is a $4 billion program tucked into the Biden administration's COVID-19 stimulus plan that forgives loans for farmers and ranchers who are black, Native American, Hispanic, or Asian, but not those who are white. Lubbock, Texas, has become the 25th American city and one of the largest to become a sanctuary city for the unborn. Voters in the city passed an ordinance recently outlawing the murder of babies. A teen in Florida is facing prison time after allegedly rigging her high school's homecoming queen vote with the help of her mother. Emily Rose Grover, who is 17 years old at the time of the alleged crime, is being tried as an adult after she and her mother hacked into the school's computer system to cast fraudulent votes for herself as homecoming queen. Now would probably be a good time to remind you that prosecutors in Washington, D.C. offered a plea deal to the 13 and 15 year old girls who were charged in the murder of an Uber Eats driver a couple of months ago. The Arizona House of Representatives passed a bill banning critical race theory from being taught in public schools. The bill now heads to the Senate. The bill would ban schools from promoting the racist curriculum and fine teachers $5,000 for teaching it if not balanced with an opposing perspective. Disneyland just reopened in California, and now they're finding themselves at the butt end of the infamous social media mob after fans got a glimpse at the renovated Snow White ride. People, including one rider at the San Francisco gate, are upset that the grand finale of the ride features the prince kissing Snow White without her permission in order to break the evil queen's spell. And finally, an update from Dr. Anthony Fauci. I'd say even if you live alone, I would wear a mask in the house, especially in the shower, because frankly, droplets can make the way through the drain and come up through somebody else's toilet, infecting them with COVID through the anus. Uh, ballpark in two to five to 20 years, we can start thinking about considering the idea of pondering, the thought of conceptualizing, the possibility of maybe, perhaps, reopening, but 
Probably not. I would avoid having any fun whatsoever in the near to far future. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at Patriot Wine. Down in Argentina, they make this really dark red wine with Malbec grapes. Grown in vineyards at 9,000 feet. They have lab tested these wines. Found that they contain up to 10 times the level of a longevity and heart health nutrient called resveratrol. All right. Resveratrol is some powerful stuff. It pops up again and again in studies on longevity, heart health, brain health. These wines also have 90% less sugar, fewer chemicals, fewer additives. If you love to grill this time of year, whether it's with steak or barbecue, uh, red wine goes great with red meat, makes it even healthier for you. And it tastes great. All three of us have tried a couple of bottles of this wine. Uh, notes of blackberry, leather, cherry, and smoke. Again, all three of us would endorse these wines. They taste great. And right now, the guys at Patriot Wine 2021com they're giving you 50% off their best Malbecs right now. 50% off shipping, too. 50% off the wine and 50% off the shipping. Wine always makes a great gift. Patriot Wine 2021com again, That's PatriotWine2021.com. So let us now dive in to this montage. And we're going to get more into the the Bruce Jenner thing. Next hour for Theology Thursday. For now, I will say this. A man who was once the quintessential portrait of traditional American masculinity who now wants to be considered as a woman while looking absolutely ridiculous and sounding like every bearded lady act ever and yet didn't have the balls to go through with it and actually cut his balls off. They're still there, apparently. The more I think about it, he is a perfect symbol, judgment, metaphor for the modern Republican Party. That is as on brand, that's as on the nose as you can get. There is no better mascot for the National Republican Party than that. Goodbye, elephant. Just a picture of Bruce. What's an elephant? Do you know? Do you know what an elephant is? I should ask its pronouns first. Yes, indeed. Do we know what anything is? Do we know what anything is? Right? So, the more I thought about this today, and man, I'd love to hop in a DeLorean Go find 1998 Sean Hannity after he's done doing like this hardcore culture war debate with Alan Combs on Fox News one night. He's heading out to his car or his driver to head home for the evening to see the wife and kids. And I mean, Marty, Marty, you've got to come to the future with me. And maybe that Sean Hannity would look at me and just like Michael J. Fox does in Back to the Future too. What's wrong, Doc? I mean, do we grow up, become like complete a-holes or something? Yes. Yes, you do. Yes. You will not believe 
the arguments you're going to make. You will not believe what you will interview. You will not believe what you will subject yourself to if that is the price of ultimate success in this business. I'll just hang out in Iowa. Thank you. I mean, that... It was just ridiculous. It was the whole thing was ridiculous. And all the right... Tommy, hey, baby killings, conservative Laren. All the right people all responded to that zipper rattle. All of them did. All of the people you could have predicted are all now responding in kind. But we'll discuss that more from a theological standpoint next hour of the show. For now, was there anything else about this topic you guys wanted to say? Todd is giving me a look because he knows there's a lot more about this I want to say, and you are hoping I say it right now. I just want you to keep talking so Aaron gives me those off-camera giggles that I love so much. It's just so absurd, and I can't see his face right now. All I can do is hear it. That's that's money. <sighs> um, these interviews with Biden administration people in lefty media outlets... Demanding benchmarks, demanding definitive time frames, definitive answers. And this has actually been going on now for months. I'm fascinated by this because I think it's indicative of, hey guys, we just did this last year to get rid of Trump. So, anyway, back to Hamilton, right? You can't, I think the time for the Biden administration with this is running out. And these are pushbacks. Now, they're polite in nature, but they're pushbacks nevertheless. And I, I think that you're seeing that a lot of the lefties in the media are not branch Covidians. They were just orange man batters. And with Summer here beckoning, they are on their last COVID nerve. And I think we are, it's imminent before uh, some pimp slapping starts going on with some of these outlets. They want their lives back. This goes to what we said yesterday about the difference between the Machiavellians and the cultists mm-hmm. because they had Machiavellian designs. Yes. But all the cultists you had to let out of the bag and dial up to 11 to make that happen. Right. Now they're all saying, I'm going to wear a mask forever. You don't put that genie back in the bottle, Steve. They're crazy. Right. I mean, the nurse who says, well, it's airborne. That's why we have to wear a mask. We wore masks because of droplets. You, you can't stop an airborne virus with a mask. We wore masks for droplets. Remember that? We wore masks for droplets. You can't stop an, a virus, an airborne virus with a mask. But she used to be a nurse, so okay. I, I mean, but you can just see. These, these clips are happening almost daily now. These folks are getting tired of this. And notice there's no good answers. So let me tie this into Fauci and Bargain for a second, our best-selling book. Some of you may be concerned 
I give this book to a loved one. I give this book to a, a friend of mine. And will they come back at me with something that, you know, I hadn't considered and I can't answer? Nope. They won't. What they'll come back at you with won't be true. You'll just need to know the method of which to undo it. I think I told you guys this story the other day. I spoke at a Christian conference over the weekend. Nice young man comes up to me during the dinner and he's really frustrated because every time he tries to bring this data up about how masks don't work in America, people just say, well, we don't wear them in America or we don't wear them enough or don't wear them right. Look at Japan. And he goes, I don't know what to do with that. So I just grabbed my trusty phone here. Googled COVID Japan and the Olympics. And I just turned the phone around and just showed him like the first three stories were all like from the New York Times, Washington Post, because it's, you know, of course, rigged for them. But they were all about how cases and COVID are exploding in Japan, imperiling the Olympics once again. Um, you just need to know how to deconstruct it. And often just simply a Google search will do it, usually in the first page of results. And that would include if you're talking to CDC director Rochelle Walensky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she doesn't have any answers either. I, she doesn't I, have any. I think Occam's razor means that I, th- I think the most honest answer is that her her family has been abducted and they are going to hurt them unless she says all these things because they're so kids have to wear masks because of all the spread that's happened in sports. That's just that's just made up. It's like it's like states like Iowa and Nebraska, which have been playing high school sports since last spring um, or summer. It's like yeah. they don't exist. It's like they don't exist. I mean, Georgia's had high school sports since last summer. It's like, it's like these things, they, they don't have anything. You need to understand this. There is no data point they have. Look at their weak responses. Look at Andy Slavitt's weak response to Chris Cuomo last week. I'm fully vaccinated. Why am I still wearing a mask? He asked him this four times. He doesn't answer. Look at the Biden education secretary in the clip that Aaron just showed. He doesn't have any answers. There isn't an answer you're going to get blindsided with. Now, they might confidently and stupidly repeat some fallacy as that they heard once as if it's law. And I'm sorry, if you don't have the if you don't have the gumption to stand up to that, you're not you're not you're not capable of being an American much longer anyway. Okay, But there is you need to understand there's no antidote to this because this is the antidote. This book is what's in here, the data that's in it, or go get it from another format. If you don't want to give us 15 bucks, you'd actually give us a dollar 85, but that's okay. There isn't watching these interviews from lefty media for the last couple of months, increasingly pushing back on this with Biden administration officials should show you if they cannot stand up, if they don't have some mic drop, oh, answer that makes sense then. To the people wearing their own jersey who are just tired of this scam. If they cannot respond to that. Then they were never going to hold up to any meaningful cross-examination. There's no there there. The artist formerly known as Bruce Jenner literally has more balls. Has more activity going on between his legs. Than they do. There's no there there. Nothing. There's nothing you don't know, nothing, well, nothing true that people will come back with. It's all a fallacy. There's nothing there, nothing.
Nothing. And that's why they can't even come up with something when getting gently prodded and pushed back from their own propaganda ministers. Their own Caesar Flickermans are like, okay, man, when do we, and this is all great, but, you know, I want to go back to doing, yeah, I want to do that again. So when do we, you know, put down the mask and, you know, get back to, yeah, when do we do that? Okay. They don't have anything. There's nothing there. You're not missing anything. Nothing. Nothing. Less than nothing. There's nothing there. Nothing. Did I make that point clear? Probably not. Okay, let me repeat. There's nothing there. There's nothing you haven't thought of. There could be something there, and we have already thought of it, but they don't want to tell us this. Can you remember what that something could be? If it's a wholly synthetic organism or a synthetically modified organism. If they would like to admit this to us, well, that would alter the conversation to some extent. We still have a more than a year plus of data of how this virus has behaved in our own country. We still have that, but we don't have nearly the assurance that that will be how it will maintain its behavior going forward in the future. We don't. But do they want to admit this to us? No. Have they, have they admitted this to us? No. No. So then, they don't get that option, right? Correct. Correct. Since that option's not on the table, even though it should be, since that option is not on the table, no quarter, then they get nothing. They have nothing. They know nothing. You don't know. There is nothing else there. That's why their answers are so bad and so weak. Can I, can I tie this into Fauci and Bargain of as course. well? Yes. So the continued pushback, and it's not just questions, it's pushback from the media that you just mentioned as well. I was shocked and really was shocked in the first two to three weeks after Fauci and Bargain was released, and I've said something similar before, that we didn't get an article from the Daily Beast or Right Wing Watch or one of these Media Matters uh, um, places, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, right wing Iowa radio host, um, blah, blah, blah. Right. You know, not a peep. There hasn't been, has there been a peep nope. from the left no. about this book? No. It reached number one on Amazon, stayed there for a while, reached number one on Wall Street Journal, number four on USA Today, and not a peep going after the chief, the the high priest of the Branch Covidian cult, not a peep from the left. I think it's twofold. One, there's just too many footnotes in there. It You did to the left what the left likes to try to do in a much, um, a much less honest way to figures on the right, which is... It was just an overwhelming amount of evidence and footnotes. They didn't want to open up that can of worms. Much of it was their work, actually. Much of it was their work. Yes. The other part of this is as well. At this point in time, they kind of agree. They kind of agree. Not because they necessarily agree with the science. They agree with the premise that it's time Mm -hmm. for this thing to go. Mm -hmm. It's time for this guy to go. Mm -hmm. Because you wouldn't have been able to write this book. Well, you could have written this book last year. It would have lasted a week before it got banned. And every single platform, left-wing platform on planet Earth, would have have just um, um, uh, tarnished you guys' name. 
and this book's name. You would have gotten banned from every platform. You would have been uh, Bakersfield, California doctors who are yes. they, yeah. if you would have written this last year. Because this book last year came in the way of what they wanted. Now this way, this year, I think, it's actually helping them get what they want. And what they want is getting back to Hamilton. I think you make two great, excellent points there. I mean, let's, let's look at point number one. Let's say they find one footnote they could quibble with. I mean, there's over 200 footnotes in here. We put this book together as fast as we possibly could. I will guarantee there's, there is something in there that we interpreted incorrectly or could reasonably be criticized as being interpreted by us incorrectly. Fair? It's hard to go... We- 203 for 203. We accidentally okay? killed the great Bob Euchre. So, you know, things happen. <laughs> yes. All right. But here's the problem. If you open up that conversation, if you find the one or two that we may have incorrectly translated or not correctly 100% portrayed, potentially, if you open that conversation, we're going to force you then to deal with the other 99% yes. of them that we did. And it's not, that's a can of worms. You just don't want to open, number one. But... I guarantee you, because I've worked in media for many, many years, and I've had some of these conversations off the record with people on our side. I promise you that there are left media people right now talking to people within the Biden administration saying, you have to end this and you have to be seen as the one that ended it. Otherwise, you guys are losing 70 House seats next year. You're losing 10 Senate seats next year. You have to end this. Okay? You have to. We're, we're, you know, for your own good, you have to end this. You have, what is the exit plan? What is the benchmark that gets you out of this so you can claim the win? Right? You can't, don't make the same mistake that we cornered Donald Trump's administration into last year, where there were no benchmarks for a win. And so it just went on and on and on. And you were in this no man's land. You, you could never be safe enough to, to, to satisfy us in the media and the cult we're inspiring. And then you, were, you, you, you let it go on for too long that you couldn't get to reopening fast enough to please your own base. Same thing's going to happen to you. When the Atlantic was writing stories, like what they wrote yesterday, they're not writing this, folks. Because they suddenly realized, you know, we're, we, we should do some journalism. They're concerned. They're, they're concerned a portion of their own base is not going to allow them to let go of this in time to not be mightily punished politically for this. Would they make the same mistake Republicans made with Obamacare after the 2016 election? That issue decimated the Democratic Party. Over 1,000 Democrats lost their seats in federal, state, and local offices after Obamacare's enactment. But by the time we got to the end of 2017, the health care issue that had destroyed the Democratic Party, the Republicans took on full ownership of it because they refused to fully cut the cord of Obamacare. After running successfully on it for more than two cycles. And then they made the decision, well, we're going to keep the regs and cut the subsidies. Well, when you do that, guess what happens to the costs? Since all the regs are there demanding that men get pap smears, the regs are there, but the subsidies aren't. So what happens to the cost, brother? What happens to that? They go up. So now you've got the worst of both worlds. 
Now we've got everything about Obamacare we liked, hated, and none of the stuff anybody liked. Number one issue in exit polling in the 2018 midterms, do you know what it was? Healthcare. And Democrats won 40 seats on the issue that had just decimated their party. When Donald Trump took the oath of office in January of 2017, there were the fewest elected Democrats in America since before the Great Depression. The very next cycle, Democrats won 40 House seats on the issue that that decimated their ranks. Democrats are threatening to do the exact same mistake right here. Their media, just like we were begging the Trump administration at this time last year, pounding the table. Fire Fauci. Take back control. Why are you criticizing Brian Kemp? Remember all those shows? Yeah. And by by July 4th, we thought we're trying to get this guy reelected harder than he is. Remember that? Yes. This is their media is doing that version of that now. And it's going to start like it started with us. Well, maybe they know something we don't know. Let's give it, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's politely prod, right? And then we politely prodded and found they don't know anything more. And then it got about a month or so later, it stopped being polite, right? Yes. That's going to happen over here. They understand something wicked this way comes and they're going to own the lockdowns entirely as a party. And the reverb on that thing is going to be a motherless goat. If Joe Biden's administration doesn't do what Trump's ever never did and figure out a way to claim victory and get out and get back to normal fully. More in a moment. You know, in the chaos of 2021, every law-abiding citizen must know how to defend your family before, during, and after a self-defense incident. That's why you want to take Patriot Academy's constitutional defense course. It's hosted at the front site Firearms Training Institute, just outside of uh, Las Vegas there in Nevada. It offers a unique combination of intellectual, physical training that you can't find anywhere else. For those of you that also listen to our colleague Daniel Horowitz's podcast, this is the course that he's participated in and talks often about on his show as well. It's the premier firearms and self-defense training organization in America. They train approximately 50,000 people each year at their 550-acre complex, not just on the physical aspects of uh, self-defense, but also intellectually on what your rights are, the Constitution, where liberty and those things come from. And right now, if you want to register for the May 30th or June 6th courses, you can do so today and get a 90%. That's an incredible discount, obviously. 90% off the training. Now, you've got to take care of your logistics. But the training itself, they're going to practically give it to you for nothing. 90% off if you go today to constitutioncoach.com. And yes, this is a family-friendly training program. You can bring the entire family with you. Constitutioncoach.com. Again, that's constitutioncoach.com. New book just released this week, The Tyranny of Big Tech. The author, U.S. Senator from the state of Missouri, Josh Hawley, joins us here on the program. Senator, it's good to have you with us on Blaze TV. How are you, brother? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. So let's start with the word tyranny. We toss around a lot of terms these days, right? And a lot of them are for effect politically. Make the case that indeed we're victims of tyranny from the uh, the oligarchs there in Silicon Valley. Well, oligarchs is really the right word. I'm glad you keyed in on that. Just look at what these big tech companies, monopolies, that's what they are. Just look what they've tried to do just in the last, oh, I don't know, six months, nine months. They've interfered in a presidential election. 
by trying to suppress reporting about Hunter Biden and Joe Biden right in the thick of the presidential election. They got together, throttled down that New York Post story. Look what they did in January when they kicked the sitting president of the United States off of their platforms, deplatformed other conservatives and libertarians and have generally tried to control and censor speech in this country for millions of Americans. It's crazy stuff. Their power is only getting more and more vast because their monopolies are only getting bigger. And I try to argue in the book that we've got to take them on. We've got to break up these monopolies. So when this issue, Josh, when it first emerged a couple of years ago, my initial conservative inclinations are, man, I really do not want government getting involved here. Okay. Um, because I mis- erroneously thought that these things still existed in a free market. Then I started talking to people that have tried to start companies or uh, alternatives to these platforms. And it's just it's not just the market share that they control. That would be monopolistic on its own. But the means of production itself, they control. It's a little bit like if you wanted to compete with Standard Oil a uh, hundred years ago, you couldn't even buy a rig, land. I mean, they owned everything. Okay. And so get your, get your, you find, you develop a phenomenal competitor to Twitter. Good luck getting it actually marketed in the various uh, app stores that Google controls, Apple controls. So it's not just, hey, they came up with a great product. You know, we had this debate about Windows in the 90s, right? And, and should that be open sourced or not? It's not just that they came up with a great product that just controls the marketplace. That would be a monopolistic debate in and of itself. But these companies even control the means of production and distribution, which just makes it virtually impossible for you to compete with them. Yeah, that's exactly right. And Parler is an illustration of this. You look at a competitor, potential competitor to Twitter, still very small, but it was beginning to get some traction back towards the first of the year, end of last year. What happened? When Apple and Google, who control the two app stores, and then Amazon, that controls much of the cloud, when they decided that they wanted Pardo to be gone, snap of the fingers, it's gone in like 48 hours. That's monopoly power. And the reason, I'm I'm with you, by the way, on the need for free markets and competition. That's what we need more of. And the reason that folks can't go to alternative platforms is there aren't any alternative platforms. And the reason there aren't alternative platforms is that the dominant monopolies are suppressing competition and suppressing new market entrants. So I've used this analogy on this issue in the past. Tell me if you think it's appropriate. When I was a kid, Ma Bell got broken up by the courts, I believe it was. Uh, now, imagine in, this, in the 50s, 60s, 70s before that occurred, Ma Bell had decided, you know, we don't like what you'll say over our phone lines. We don't like the opinions you'll convey. We don't like the viewpoints you possessed. We don't want those things said over our phone lines. So we're not going to allow you to plug in to the information age of that era. I can't even imagine, I mean, they were broken up strictly for monopolistic antitrust business practices. But if they tried to put their thumb on the scale ideologically, we probably would have broken them up a lot sooner than the 1980s. Is that an appropriate analogy to what is going on here? That, yeah, we, that you, we won't let you plug into the information age of your era unless you fit through our personal Overton window. Yeah, I, th- I think it really is. And I think the control over information that these companies have, the big tech companies have, is something that's really unprecedented in our history. I mean, as you point out, the telephone companies at least never tried to control the flow of information or news, but the tech companies do. They control what we see. They control how news stories are written. You know, they famously forced journalists 
to rewrite stories, to change the way that uh, the, the stories are constructed, uh, to change how headlines are written, all of that stuff. The tech companies are now the, the major distribution channels for news in this country. And as we found out last fall, they get to decide what news is relevant, what's not, and what people are going to see. And if you don't like it, you don't have any recourse right now. That is a huge huge problem, which is another reason why we've got to break up their power and restore some real competition to these markets. So let's get to remedies then. There was a lot of debate the last year plus of Section 230. I I think we're way beyond that. I think we're looking at antitrust conversations, conversations of are these public utilities or not. But what do you think? I mean, you're on the front lines of this every day. What are the remedies here? Yeah, I agree with you on Section 230. I mean, listen, what we can do under 230 is we can give individuals the right to sue if they are deplatformed and the, and the platforms don't do this in good faith. You know, right now, the terms of service that Facebook, let's say, Google, Twitter, that they offer you, those aren't enforceable. If they violate those terms of service and they deplatform you for reasons that aren't in good faith, you can't do anything about it. I think we can, can and should give people the right to enforce those terms of service, make sure that these companies are acting in good faith. And the way to do that is take them to court. So we could do that. But I think We've got to do more than that. We've got to break them up. We've got to actually make sure that Amazon can't control all e-commerce in this country and control the cloud in this country. And we and make sure that Google can't control all search in this country and then also control a, a fiber optics. I mean, we've got to break these companies up and restore some real competition. And the last thing I'd say is this. If none of that's possible, then we are going to have to treat them like utilities. We are going to have to treat them like common carriers. I, I think that's that would be my last choice. But if, if, that, if at the end of the day, the companies can't be broken up, uh, we can't get enforcers to do it, we can't get the law changed to really address these current needs, then we're going to have to treat them like utilities and common carriers. I, I, don't, I can't believe I'm going to say what I'm about to say, but this is how I've had to change with the times in which we live. I'm at the point now, I think we almost are better off going trying to oppose big government than big business. Because these big business companies are are mega global monoliths now, conglomerates now. I mean, how much can you really nosedive their share price, really, to truly inflict damage on them for putting their thumb on the scale when they've got so many customers in China, India, and every pl- and places all over the world wait, wait, waiting to take the American marketplace's place? Um, and at least with big government, as terrible as it is, I can vote new people in that put in another group of bureaucrats that I prefer that are closer to my alignment, my belief system. Have we gotten to the point now where big government might even be more directly accountable to the people than some of these monopolies we're discussing? Yeah, I think that's very possible, Steve. I mean, listen, our founders understood the situation. They were opposed to aristocracy and oligarchy in any form, and they understood that that could happen in government. It could happen in society. And by the way, anytime you get concentrations of power, let's say in the economy, like in these monopolies, it will always become political power. Always. We saw this a century ago. You referenced Standard Oil, the Mm -hmm. railroads. What did they do when they became so powerful? They tried to start controlling politics. What is big tech trying to do? Control politics by using the power that they have amassed with the help of government in the marketplace. So my view is this. We have got to confront the monopoly powers of these companies. If we don't, they will run our government and they will run our society. And that is a danger to liberty. Monopoly and liberty do not go together. Finally, you mentioned Amazon. I know you had an issue with getting this book released with its original publisher. So a lot of people, uh, you know, with our most recent book, 
on Anthony Fauci uh, and his, uh, shall we say, spotty record. Um, a, a lot of people in our audience didn't want to buy the book from Amazon.com. Well, we didn't want to put it on Amazon.com. And then until I learned from my publisher that 83% of every book, of all books sold every day in America are via Amazon.com. There was just no way we were going to be able to mass distribute this with, with to have the impact we wanted it to have without utilizing them. And when Tucker Carlson, who endorsed your book, had me on his show talking about Fauci and Bargain, he said to me on the air, I'm surprised they placed this book in their store. To which I responded, well, frankly, if I was as big a star as you, they probably wouldn't have. They'd have seen me, but they didn't see me coming. So I got to ambush them. And now that it got to number one on their site, they kind of, they're kind of screwed. They can't banish the number one book. You know, then it, that's too obvious and it looks bad. But the fact that we're even having these kinds of conversations, Josh, stop and think about that. I mean, regardless of what you think about the government's vaccination effort or what, or Johnson and Johnson, whether it should have been banned or not. If I go on my website and say uh, on my Twitter feed and I would have said a month ago, hey, I've got postmenopausal women that are emailing me. They took the vaccine and um, they're getting uh, menstrual cycles. You know, just be aware of that. I'd have gotten banned for that. But then the government comes out and says, hey, we're going to pause the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. And suddenly it's okay to say these things, regardless of your views on that particular issue. The premise of free speech is not government clears the brush for us to let us decide what we can say. But that's exactly what is going on right now in allegiance with these big tech companies. It is exactly what's going on. And the Democrats want to make that alliance even closer. You know, the Democrats want these companies to work hand in glove with the government. They want them to become a censorship arm of the government. If you listen to the Democrats when these company execs come up to Capitol Hill, what was what will you hear? You'll hear the Democrats saying, well, you need to censor more. You need to get tougher on disinformation. You need to get tougher on on uh, fake news. What they mean by that is viewpoints that they don't like. And here we see that alliance between big government and corporate monopoly. We've got to break that up. I mean, free speech is not going to be safe in this country if a corporate monopoly like Facebook, like Amazon, can decide what we can say, what we can read, who we can talk to. Finally, what do you say to people who are like, why didn't you guys do this? I know you've gotten this question a million times, so let me be the million and one person to ask. When you guys had total control of this process, political process in Washington a year ago, and they were already putting disclaimers and stuff on the president's messages during a re-election campaign, which was clearly... Uh, a step of provocation to where they ultimately just outright banned him. When you guys had the majorities last year, why do you do anything about this? What would you you say about that? That's well, I'd say it's a terrible missed opportunity. I mean, as someone who has for the two years I've been in the Senate, who has introduced piece of legislation after piece of legislation, trying to take on big tech, pushing my colleagues to do it, talking about it, now writing a book about it. uh, Believe me, I'm with you. And I think that I will say this. I think that more and more Republicans in Congress are getting it. I think more and more Republicans are understanding the dangerous power of these companies, but let's not sugarcoat it. I mean, the last two years, the last four years were a missed opportunity for Republicans in Congress in this way, particularly when you had the president, President Trump that is focused on this in the last year and a half where he was urging Congress to do something on this issue and, uh, and Congress did it. And I think, I think it's a bad missed opportunity. And in some ways we're paying for it now because the monopolies have only gotten stronger. But listen, the next best time to do something is right now. Mm-hmm. So we can't change the missed opportunities of the past, but we can start getting serious now when we need to. Name of the book, The Tyranny of Big Tech. 
It's author, U.S. Senator Josh Hawley. He's been our guest here today on Blaze TV. Josh, thank you for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Take care. Thanks for having me. You bet. And this portion of the show brought to you by our friends over at Home Title Lock. You know, we've been warning you about home title theft. These, this is where cyber thieves remove you from your home's title, become the owner. We said, hey, get Home Title Lock because you never know one of these data breaches when it might happen. Lo and behold, it just happened to Facebook. 500 million accounts exposed to cyber thieves, names, addresses, personal information, the kinds of things cyber thieves need to identify as you when they go online where your home's title is likely kept. Claim to be you and then forge your signature on a quick claim deed stating you've sold your home to them. They then liquidate all that equity, stick you with payments, maybe worse, evictions, foreclosure notices. That's why. Take advantage of Home Title Lock right now. First of all, go to HomeTitleLock.com, register your address, see if you're already a victim and don't know it so you can act. Then while you're there, take advantage of 30 free days of protection during this high-risk breach. Again, 30 free days of protection with the promo code RADIO. Promo code RADIO at HomeTitleLock.com. Thoughts on the conversation we just had? You know, the, the very last part that you talked <laughs> about, me. talking about the government clearing the brush for for free speech, free in air quotes, mm-hmm. it, it, it really isn't it really isn't the government that's saying the, the government that's saying it's OK to talk about this now. It's an incestuous relationship between uh, big government and big business, because on the one hand, the big government uh, is a lot a lot of the times controlled or at least have big donors from Silicon Valley. Um, that they want to placate. And so Silicon Valley says, we don't want, agree with this. We don't like this. So um, Silicon Valley, when they censor us, they can say, well, look, it was the government. You know, you're going against the experts here. And then the government can say, well, hey, it's 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 free business. It's free market. You know, if you don't like it, go start a new one. Mm-hmm. It's an incestuous relationship that gets keeps going around and around and around. And the only person that screws is yes. you and me. And they each get to cover the other side's uh, rear end by passing the buck. There's no ultimate accountability. Correct. Right. It's obvious why the left feels that they need to destroy him because he's just really good at this. He knows his stuff. Uh, He's tough. But he's also clearly can be tough with a smile on his face. Uh, and it's also clear not only why the left hates him, but while he can't get anywhere with the legislation, he's, he says he's proposed because uh, Ditch, you know, just refuses to be in league with a guy who is his own man. Ask yourself this question. Does somebody like Mitch McConnell remain in the power position within the Republican Party? Is he more or less likely to remain there? It with or without big tech censorship of his own base. He's more, like, more. He's more likely. Yeah. 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 Because if you really freed up that base to truly utilize fully um, the, the power of their, of, of their activism and courage of conviction and, and then use these as vehicles for them to coordinate and connect with one another, it'd be much easier to get rid of a guy like him. Yes. Right. And put, I don't know, somebody like if you wanted somebody like Josh Holly in there instead. Right. Indeed. Indeed. We'll come back hour two, Theology Thursday, voting for mental illness. Okay, we'll do that next. And we're back with hour number two here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with... 
Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can email us. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Look for Steve Dace on MeWe, Gab, and Parlor when it finally returns. You can also look for censored clips of the program at YouTube.com slash Steve Dace or Rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. And if you're a podcast listener, we're looking for you. We're looking for you to hit that subscribe button for us. Leave us a five-star review, and we want to thank all of you that have done those two things already. Theology Thursday brought to you by our friends over at StartMail. You know, free email services like Gmail and Yahoo, they aren't really free. You are paying With your privacy, and since these companies have access to every email you send and receive, Big Tech can sell your data to the highest bidder. That's why you want to use StartMail to secure your email. It'll make it safe again. StartMail keeps your email private, period. Every email encrypted, even if the recipient doesn't use encryption, which means Big Tech cannot read, scan, analyze, or sell any personal information from your email ever. Not even Big Brother can snoop around your email. Uh, Startmail uses or prevents government agencies from spying on you, like in dragnet operations, because with Startmail, deleted means deleted. When you delete an email, it is gone forever. And Startmail uses their own servers, not Amazon's or anybody else's, which means they can't be put out of business by big tech. And they're also backed by the most stringent privacy laws in the world. So if you don't trust big tech, and you should not, start securing your email privacy with Startmail by signing up today. And you'll get 50% off your first year if you go to startmail.com slash Steve. That's start with a T. Startmail.com slash Steve. Get 50% off your first year today at startmail.com slash Steve. So I got to tell you, I'm a total depravity kind of guy. But 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, probably even 2016, 2017, and maybe even 2018, Steve, would have not believed. I'm about to do what I'm going to do. But when it goes, it goes fast. And we're not in those years anymore. Um, It's now 2021. So unfortunately, we are going to have to waste, I'm sorry, um, use the precious time of Theology Thursday by discussing the ethics of voting for somebody who's obviously mentally ill. I kind of think it undermines the whole argument of preserving the sanctity of biological differences in intimate settings. Athletics. I kind of think it undermines our entire argument there to then turn around and say, but fire up the Aerosmith, dude looks like a lady for the highest executive office in the most populous state in the union. I kind of feel as if that should be self evident. 
anybody with an IQ teetering on double digits or at least one morsel of soul remaining. However, there, there I go with my optimistic take on the American people, let alone our own ranks yet again. My dangerous naivete, my eternal optimism getting the best of me, assuming that the ranks are just swelling with such discerning people that have IQs of 13. As I watch figures on both Fox News and Newsmax infest, I'm sorry, um, uh, populate my newsfeed with pro-mental illness for California governor pitches. So since this is obviously going to be a thing for some people, now I'll tell you this. I don't think he has any chance of winning. Zero. Well, he's got one chance. If you're living in a nation that is irrevocably under judgment, and God is trolling us directly, now that's possible. But politically, in the natural, he has no chance to win. First of all, he's got the wrong letter after his name, number one. Secondly, there's going to be a percentage of his own vote that will not vote for him because of his insanity. He is going to gain zero crossover vote. Zero. There will be no, hey, they're not homophobes. That's, no, no, they're not getting, none of those votes are happening. So politically, the math does not work. All right. He's already the transgender uncle. uncle, uncle or, I'm yeah. sorry, aunt, he, aunt Tammy. He's aunt, he's aunt trans. Yeah. yeah, you're right. So uh, politically, the math just doesn't work. So there's, there's really no point analyzing his candidacy politically because it's a nothing. You should only analyze his candidacy theologically because the only way this happens, this would be like God sending Nebuchadnezzar to take Jerusalem down kind of thing. Like, that's the only way this occurs, because I cannot provide for you a political science formula for Bruce Jenner getting elected governor of California. It, it does not exist. All right. He's behind already, way behind in voter registrations, and he's going to lose a sizable segment. I don't know, probably if he got the nomination or if he got on the ballot, I don't know how the recall works. I think they all get on the ballot, actually. But there's a sizable segment. What's sizable? Is it 50% of California Republicans wouldn't vote for him? I don't think it's that high. Don't think it's more than 10% though? Hell yeah, it's more than that. So it's a significant amount. They're just never voting for that. On site, period. So you won't make up enough of that elsewhere to overcome the registration advantage, disadvantage that you're under. So politically, this isn't happening. Prophetically, it might. Um, I mean, if, if our creator is done calling us to repentance and just is now just laughing, mocking, trolling us on the way out the door for our own insanity. He's like, you know what? Let me take my belt off one last time before y'all hit the ash heap because you got it coming. Then it could happen, but it would require something like that. Politically, it cannot happen. So therefore, there's really only a theological analysis of the Bruce Jenner gubernatorial campaign. 
Now, I thought of a million different ways to approach this this morning. And then I finally gave up and I sent you and Todd, uh, you and Aaron a text. You're Todd. He's Aaron. I sent you and Aaron a text this morning and I said, you know what? Here's how we're going to do this. You guys are to come at me with the challenges to this so that I make sure I'm not just rambling on a particular point, but answer the direct challenges we would get from, I guess we'll call it the right, the not left in America. I don't know on, on why we should support this. Okay. That way I know I'm answering objections that people are actively going to attempt as opposed to just philosophically wandering here for the next 20 minutes. And I want you to know how rare this is. At most, another host might say, I want you to come at me, but just give me the questions and let me think about it. Yeah, I don't even know what you guys are going to say. You have no idea. Yeah. That is absolutely rare. So we're going to bring it. There, there's no point to doing this if you don't. We're gonna... Okay. Steve, you've already made the case that Republicans should at least consider voting for Caitlin, despite disagreements with him about his lifestyle. Because as you've said, people aren't constructs. They're people. He's not his mental illness exclusively. He is a lot of things. And he clearly has some conservative ideas. Even if he's not... As conservative, set aside the mentalism side, even if he's not as conservative as we'd like him to be, because you've also said in this day and age, we're going to have some strange bedfellows. Mm -hmm. And we real even if we disagree with some people on some existential matters, if they're in my camp on this one, we have to consider it. You've said it recently, very recently with Naomi Wolf. Mm -hmm. Why does this, the Naomi Wolf principle not apply to Bruce Jenner. Boy, I'm glad we started here. This is the most important question that could come up in this entire conversation. So I'm glad we're beginning with it so we make sure we address it thoroughly. What am I having to change? What am I having to change about the laws of nature and nature's God to align with Naomi Wolf against COVID Stan? Nothing. Nothing. What, what issue position has she demanded of me? What fundamental of existence, as Naomi Wolf said, the price for you, don't listen to Chris DeBerg, pay the ferryman. Here is what you'll have to pay to get in the boat across and cross the river Styx for us to be united against COVID, Stan. Here is what I'm going to need you, Steve Dace. You're going to have to overlook this in order for our, this alignment to occur. What what accommodation am I being asked to make in order to align with her on in this? In fact, when it comes to the Venn diagram, she's been the only one pushing her circle. That's exactly right. Over to yours, which indicates now and gladly, happily, yes. So. But but that indicates also a level of sincerity on her part, correct? Yes, because she is she is not just like whole cloth. Just got up tomorrow and decided she doesn't believe a lot of the things on the other issues that she believed. Right. Right. I mean, the fact that she's undergoing a transition through this process indicates. It's sincerity, right? Sure. Okay. So what is Bruce Jenner asking me to do in order to support him? What do I have? What's the price to do for that support for me to take it? Well, at the very least, look the other way on something that you have declared over and over again very publicly 
that is a fundamental hill to die on. Yes, it may be the last one left that we have as a people, frankly, because we just we gave them up for 30 years. We kept saying it over and over and over again on the right. These aren't hills to die on. And now we're left with this is the only one left. The only one we have left is bearded lady. That's the only one left. We can't even go to the pedophile card because we already gave up fighting on the hill of murdering the kids before they were born. So there is no, I'm not being asked to compromise anything, I believe, in order to accept assistance from Naomi Wolf against COVID stand. I'm not being asked to compromise anything, I believe, in order to accept assistance from Bill Maher against COVID stand and Wokistan. Nothing. They're coming to me. I cannot, I cannot connect with something that begins from the premise I have to disavow the most, one of the most fundamental facts of the laws of nature and nature's God. There's no way I can get to a point of pulling a lever for Bruce Jenner without denying a fundamental fact of existence, reality, and God's law. I can't do it. The only reason he's here is because he's pretending to be a woman. As Brandon Tatum just pointed out on Twitter just a few minutes ago, this guy gladly accepted Vanity Fair's Woman of the Year Award just a few years ago. He's down with this clown. Well, Steve, he says that we should keep men, biological men, out of women's sports. You know what? You're right. If you're that gullible, why don't we just run a Planned Parenthood butcher? He's literally got the blood on his hands. He's done it with his hands. With his hands. He's murdered children with his own hands. And he'll do it again tomorrow. But he promises he'll defund Planned Parenthood. And I just make the same play. Just make the same play. Just do that. So no, there's no way I can do this without denying what I'm for. Who I'm for. Who I belong to. It's one thing to say we're all sinners. It's another thing to say, but he's insane. He's not mentally well. He's mentally incompetent. He's mentally ill, folks. It is not normal mental behavior to mutilate yourself. It is not. And he's not even committed to it. Listen to his voice. He's clearly not taking the hormonal blockers. We also hasn't gone all the way with it down below, if you know what I'm saying. He's not even committed to the new gender. He's insane. He's crazy. He's nuts. And the idea that you would entrust any transcendent principle to someone who cannot even be entrusted with their own identity as a human being is likewise insane. He's insane, and if you vote for him, you are too. You're insane. And I'll tell any of you this right to your face. I don't care. Line them up. You're insane. Did that answer your question? 
Yes. Okay. Thank you. Next. Well, you kind of already touched on this, but I think it's maybe important to, to flesh this out a little bit. You know, in, in eternity and trans, uh, transcendently, um, every time a human being sins, whether it's a one-off or whether it's a, a sin that ensnares you uh, or enslaves you uh, chronically, you're denying reality. Now, we're not talking about drag queen story time hour, Steve. We're not talking about dudes competing against minor daughters or even in college, your minor daughters on your, uh, on your track team. We're talking about a grown adult who is denying reality, yes, but every time we sin, we're denying reality. None of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. We're not talking about something that affects minors, the innocent here. Why is that a we're problem? Talking, we're talking about here an adult. So what, how is his sin denying reality chronically any different from anybody in Washington or your favorite senator who by hook or by crook or maybe uh, one off on, on one off occasions mm-hmm. denies reality by the legislation they support or the positions they support that you voted for yourself before and that that you might vote for in the future? How, how is how is his sin any different? How's it different than voting for Trump? Put the name on it. Because yeah, first, question, you're Aaron. beginning right away. First of all, he has no record. As to your Trump question, it's why I didn't vote for him in 2016. There was no, he had no record. There was no record to justify the mental, the mental gymnastics and the, and the moral calculus of just trusting another Republican, particularly one from New York, who had spent more time around Al Sharpton than people like me. There was, there was just no justification for it I could make. And look people in the eye and justify it without starting from a position of weakness and compromise to begin with. That's why I didn't do it. All right. So similarly, it was kind of insane. It was. This guy is clearly insane. As to it doesn't involve children. What, what, why, why is that the standard? Why is that? Why is that the standard? It doesn't. First of all, it doesn't involve children at all. They have drag queen story time hour at the California governor's mansion every damn day. That doesn't invi- that that doesn't that doesn't harm the children at all. We're gonna do drag queen story time hour at the California governor's mansion every damned day. Every day, every day we're gonna do it. Number one. So enjoy your blessing of liberty. That's happening every day. But number two, why are the ch- why why if it's if it's bad for children? I don't know. Are you masking your children right now at a school? Did you mask your two year old in Michigan on the way to Costco? So I, I'm sorry, I'm not moved by the it's bad for the children as the new d- dividing line. No one's been harmed more by our COVID uh, uh, fallacies over the last year than our children have been mentally, emotionally, intellectually. And they're the least susceptible to this, both as vectors and victims. And yet how many parents have done nothing, nothing for their children at all, but complain and bitch and moan. So I'm not going to be moved by the, it doesn't affect the children. We don't seem to care all that much about our children. And that's when we let them born. But if I have to ask, if you have to, if you have to ask me, is drag queen story time hour at the California governor's mansion every day, is that bad for the children? I can't help you. You're beyond my level of help. 
The fact we're so debased we're even going to ask this? How can you trust someone? You know what? I could trust someone to defend my God-given rights who looked at themselves in the mirror at the way God made them and mutilated it. That seems like a reasonable assumption. Well, Steve, it sounds like you don't think you could vote for an atheist. You'd have to make a really damn compelling case. Because in this form of government, where do my rights come from? God. God. You deny God exists. I, you gotta, it's a tough case to make. Not saying it's impossible. I got asked this once by an atheist at CPAC. I told him it wasn't impossible, but you're going to have a real tough case to make. Because our rights got to come from somewhere, and they come from God. You don't believe there's a God. Could that be a problem? Yes. Yeah. How about the person who looks at themselves and says, this is not the way God made me. Let me mutilate myself and into some sickening, ridiculous hybrid. Either way, we're in, did God really say it? That's exactly right. I can't, I can't engage you without a denying that. I would argue, therefore, my engagement of you is sinful. I can't get around this. I can't do it. We all are single-issue voters, by the way, so you, can, you guys can save me that question. Everybody is. Would you vote for a pedophile? Would you vote for an open Satanist? Would you vote for somebody who likes beating women? Would you do that? Somewhere, 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 somehow, everybody within the sound of my voice right now has a no. Somewhere, regardless of what the alternative is or what they claim to believe. Well, then congratulations, you're a single-issue voter. We found your single issue that you're a no on. So we're all single issue voters, so dismiss that fallacy as well. You can't engage this without a denial of reality. Did you see the look on Hannity's face during a lot of that interview last night? Dead. He's dead inside, man. Regardless of what he's doing on the outside, that dude's dead inside. This leads to my next question. Go ahead. You believe strongly in finding the win in any situation, but you seem to be caving to the inevitability of the Kobayashi Maru on this one. That level of absurdity in that interview with those two talking to each other, isn't this a moment where letting it have its day is the thing that pushes it into the sea? Don't you advocate for this? Because it's like, fine, here, yes, you all get what you want, and you're all finally going to choke on it. Isn't, aren't you, isn't there hope in that? So you're asking me, let us do evil so that good may come? Is that what you're asking me? I think I might be, Yeah, I think you're asking me that, yeah. I think it's, for example, last week when we asked the question, is it time for us to just go ahead and defund the police, right? Could I make the same, was I, was I doing evil so good may come? Are the police my only option for me to defend myself? No. Are the police the only option that I would have in order to um, extract justice from an evildoer? No. Do I have the means of doing that myself? 
Yes. In yeah. some cases, In fact, yes. do I have a constitution that guarantees I have the means yes. of doing that myself if need be, correct? Yes. Okay. So I don't think that analog- that's analogous to this situation. Uh, in the previous situation, I'm essentially making the argument that if you believe the police are an instrument of evil, then let's just go ahead and I may, I'm calling your bluff that they're evil. If you think the police are an instrument of evil systematically, are there individual police that are evil? Yeah. But systematically, if we're saying defund the police, we're saying systematically the police are evil. If you believe that, then I'll call your bluff. Let's get rid of him and see what happens. See if we get more, more evil or less if that were to occur. This is the opposite of that. This is me now saying I'm going to do this evil in order to, um, to grant um, uh, or to, for something good to happen in the end. I'm not allowed to do that. I'm not allowed to do evil so that good may come. I'm allowed to make you live by your evil to hopefully learn from it. That's what Paul means when he says, hey, that dude in the front row there in the church of Corinth with his arm around his mom or stepmom, throw that guy out. Let Satan have his way with him uh, for his sin. And then, then maybe, maybe that after that's happened, he'll come back repentant and realize I, I shouldn't have my arm around my mom again. Right. OK, I can do that. I can make you live by your own standard, but I cannot do evil in order to make that occur. Evil times evil is what? More evil. More evil. Yeah. Aaron. Caitlyn Jenner's opponent in California says that he or she will literally murder every single Christian. Caitlyn promises that he will not. Who should I vote for? How can you believe the promise? First of all, Gavin Newsom hasn't promised that. And he's been in office for the last few years. And if he has he done that? No. Secondly, why do you believe you can trust the promise of someone who doesn't trust the most basic fact of their own existence? And, and frankly, isn't even sold on their own transition away from that fact. Just not even sold on it. Before the whole trans thing became politicized, in another era, we would have just called Bruce Jenner a cross-dresser, a transvestite. That's what he was. He won't even go through with this. He still sounds like he sounded before. Still has the same male equipment he had before. He's not even invested in this. So then what is he even invested in? What's he invested in at all? Let me be Vanity Fair's woman of the year, but hey, we can't have men doing women's sports. I'm not, even, I'm not even by chromosome still male. I am by equipment still male. I even sound like one. He's not even invested in what he's supposed to be a mascot for. He's mentally ill. This is the most populous state in the union. You can find no one else. There is no one else in all of California who is not obviously mentally unwell. No one else, no one else can be an alternative to Gavin Newsom. If that is the case, get the hell out of there. Some of the largest churches in America in that state, Greg Laurie, Rick Warren, John MacArthur, They can't produce one person? One! 
who's not mentally unwell. Not one. And I only named a few. There's actually several more. No one? Then you should just leave. Why do you live there then? There can be no one else. Aaron, you told me something when he launched his website for governor. Yeah. How, what, what issues did he list there? There were none. None. But there was a button to do what? Shop and donate. Yeah. Brad Parscale, who got thrown to the curve in, in Trump world for grifting off of the Trump campaign. He's running this show. This is a scam. The whole thing's a scam. It's just not, it, not even the ideology behind it. That's a scam. But the activity in and of itself is a scam. You're being scammed in more ways than one. You're not just selling out. You're a mark. Warmer weather is here. We are going to be on the move more often. Maybe you're taking an anticipated trip. And so I like to use uh, my earbuds so I don't have to hear on the airplane the 75 mask PSAs that they uh, utter on every flight. Whatever the case may be. Uh, Maybe it's a workout. That's how I use my earbuds every single day. Whatever the case may be, chances are um, you could use a pair of Raycons and take them with you because uh, Raycons wireless earbuds can can make it all the difference when it comes to crisp, powerful sounds at half the price of the premium audio brands. And they look great, feel better. These are the tightest fitting earbuds I've ever tried. Uh, I'm not constantly having to adjust them all the time. They come in a range of cool colors with customizable, custom, customizable, easy for me to say, gel tips included for a comfortable in-ear fit. And they're built to go anywhere uh, with a seamless Bluetooth pairing, compact charging case. Um, you can use up to a 24-hour battery life with your Raycon earbuds. So listen up. Raycon's offering 15% off of all their products for our listeners today, here's what you got to do to take advantage of that. Go to buyraycon, R-A-Y-C-O-N as a Nancy, buyraycon.com slash Steve. That's buyraycon.com slash Steve, and you'll get 15% off your entire Raycon order. It's such a good deal. You want to grab a pair and maybe another pair to spare. 15% off your entire Raycon order at raycon.com slash Steve. Aaron, before we get to three non-political questions, you thought there was one more issue that we had to, had to tackle to conclude our Theology Thursday on so, voting for mental illness. Yeah, and, and it's just, I, I think, along the lines of putting a finer point on, on things, the, the first question that I asked you, there were two false premises in there. You destroyed the first one. Uh, it's, you know, it's not affecting children. Well, what kind of standard is that? And yes, of course, it is affecting children. You destroyed that pretty well. The second false premise is this notion that um, the earthly consequences of sin are all the same. Now, eternally, yes, the consequence of every sin is the same, but the earthly consequences are not. The notion that uh, Bruce Jenner's, or the artist formerly known as Bruce Jenner's lifestyle choices is the same as stealing, petty crime, or some other sin, uh, that's not the same in terms of earthly consequences. 
There is living a lifestyle that is a perversion of reality, which all of us to some degree, because we're all sinners, we all live mm-hmm. double lifestyles. Mm-hmm. We all live perversions of reality. And in the moment of sinning, that is a denial of reality because you're denying that God really is who he says he is. But then there's a lifestyle of denial. I would say the homosexual lifestyle is a perversion of reality. The transgender lifestyle is a denial of reality by its very nature. So no, in terms of earthly consequences of sin, the guy, the senator, the the governor, your state senator, your mayor, who struggles with anger, temper, uh, with the drink, now, those might manifest themselves in different ways and sometimes damaging and, and harmful ways that warrant, that definitely warrant um, a, a, a consequence, whether it's not your support or getting arrested or something like that. But by the very nature of what we're talking about with, with the artist formerly known as Bruce Jenner, it is a denial of reality that you are assenting to by granting it any form of audience whatsoever. We're ready for three non-political questions. We are ready for three non-political questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? Question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. It is a spring solstice. Is, is that even a thing? No. A spring solstice miracle that I actually remembered to come up with these questions before the show. Spring solstice, solstice miracle is a thing now. It's my reality. And uh, we're going to run with it. Uh, question number one. What's on your Mount Rushmore of television sitcoms of all time? Seinfeld. I knew that was going to be your first one. Yep. Um, Kirstie Alley cheers but that was a demonstrably better show or maybe I just got older that, that could be it too I, could, I just got older but I, even trying to watch it years later in reruns I just liked the Kirstie Alley cheers a lot better so I would say Kirstie Alley cheers Seinfeld family ties and Coming up with that. I'm always stuck. Every time we do this, I get stuck on the fourth one. I'm going to let you go and then I'll see if I can. Maybe you'll have one of my four and I'll be like, oh, yeah, that should be on my list. The office. Correct. Yeah, that's that's that should maybe be on my list. The middle. Okay. Big with our family. Last man standing. And mash. I thought about mash. I thought about it. all right so i'm down i'm I'm thinking about mash i'm thinking about it's the the office of sitcoms okay aaron what are you putting on there uh for me it's the office it's parks and rec i would i want to put mash on there it's just been so long since i've seen that and i'm not sure necessarily to me it stands the test of time um I'm not you. sure. <laughs> I'm not sure if this is necessarily considered a sitcom, but this Canadian television show 
that was that was the treat, the Saturday night treat in the McIntyre household growing up called the Red Green Show. It was on PBS. Uh, it was legitimately funny, too. Uh, that was that that's got to be on my list. And I, the the fourth one. Man, I don't know. I would say Home Improvement. I tend to remember watching that a little bit. Yeah, I can't remember that. that, that uh, that's worth good. that's worthwhile. Yeah. All right, you know, I'm going to go with The Office for the fourth. So I'm at The Office, Family Ties, Seinfeld, and Cheers. I cannot believe I was the only one that put Seinfeld on the list. Wow. Okay. I thought the stand-up was the best part of that. Okay. Are you serious? I, I really am. I never okay. really got into it. So I haven't seen it from start to finish probably like you guys have. But okay. I've only seen a few one-offs, and I thought the, the stand-up at the beginning of the show was the best part. I can't believe you don't have Seinfeld on your list. I just went with a more relevant to my family and what okay. we've enjoyed together. And the last you. man standing and the middle have been things you can set your family in front of. Yeah. And, okay. But yeah, of course, of course. Okay. Had I not taken that tact, it would have been on there. Okay. Two. Uh, you got your, uh, your three in. Okay. Yeah. Uh, question two. Now this is not overtly non-political, but you don't have to make it political either. What's the best argument you've ever heard for something you don't agree with? I'm going to let you take this one first. Go ahead. The best argument ever heard. Yeah. You just needed time to think. I love it when you <laughs> do that. Like, was it that transparent? That's the time when you're like the host of the show says, uh, "You first, yeah, you over go there. ahead, you go ahead." Um, well, we just kind of got done. You and I actually off air were talking about it related to something else, but uh, it's a um, right now. It's a trap that a lot of people are falling into, as conservatives often have. They 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 have their bumper sticker slogans and but a a. And we talked about it uh, with, with Senator Hawley. A private business can do whatever it wants to. No, it can't. Mm-hmm. It just can't. I d- and nor, d- nor is the customer always right. See, that's the other end of this spectrum. Mm-hmm. No, they're not. Neither one can demand that the other come in and flat out defy reality. In order to shop here, you have to walk on your hands for five minutes or hold a hand. You know, th- th- pick something else that's just clearly and obviously absurd and you end up in a place that that's no we don't endorse that as a society there there is a social compact and then we have to have a grown-up conversation about what that means but neither side you know this is like you don't neither side has to if you say um for this transaction to go through you have to say my proper pronouns no we don't no we don't i don't the shopkeeper does not have to call the customer that nor does the customer have to call the shopkeeper that it's a fundamental denial of reality but it does sound good. It does seem a little odd for um, the same conservative media that helped make Jordan Peterson a worldwide phenomenon for failing to utilize the proper pronouns. That was the original gist of what Basically, led to his yeah. activism as a college professor was his failure to use your pronouns. Um, and, and now has some people within our own industry after doing that, turning around and um promoting for California governor, somebody who doesn't even know his own pronouns. There, there is some irony there. I, I, here's what I wanted time to think of. Arguments that I thought I truly lost. Okay. Sure. And I hate to say it. I, I couldn't come up with one. <laughs> um, I could not. 
Okay. <laughs> Why did you uh, set it up that way then? So I... I Classic taste. Okay. <laughs> Um, listen, I've lost arguments at home all the time, but they're about like, you know, decisions, not like what he's asking about. Okay. So I'm going to go with the lesser of two evils. The reason why is it's actually true and a fallacy at the same time, because we're all what evil, we're all evil to some extent, right? So there's always, you're always voting for the lesser of two evils. You're always marrying the lesser two evils. They're always doing the same. You're, you know, Todd and Aaron, could I find two better employees? I don't know. There's 330 million Americans. Chances are, yeah. Could you guys find a better boss? Probably. Okay. So so everything is the lesser of two evils, right? Mm -hmm. Everything is. And so that can be a very difficult argument to get around because invariably east of Eden, you're choosing the lesser of two evils to a certain extent constantly, Right. And so there's no way around that. And so ultimately, then how do you hold a plumb line in that, given that reality? Because there is, there is a, there's a line between not making the perfect, the enemy of the good, and then just falling into complete and total moral, moral subjectivism at the exact same time. And that's where arguments could get really personal about with people is where that line should be drawn. Well said uh, for me, and I promise I did not smoke a joint before thinking about this. <laughs> uh, the flat Earth theory—the only thing in a certain segment of that—the only thing that they really have going for them is that they actually have a working explanation for gravity. Those of us in reality don't, don't still really don't understand how gravity works. We we have these things called gravitons, not even fully fleshed out yet. They actually have an explanation for gravity. It's that we're on a disc flying upward. And so that's, that's forcing us down into the ground. All right, before we do question that's, three, that's interesting. And I want to thank you for the two or three people in our audience who do believe in a flat earth that will now be emailing me mm-hmm. as they have consistently been doing recently. <laughs> yes. Um, if you are struggling with pain from your knee, uh, neck, uh, shoulder, for me, it's a left hip flexor. Chances are that is because of inflammation in the body. And you want to make sure you deal with that inflammation before it causes permanent pain. That's why you want to make sure you get a product called Omega XL, backed by 35 years of clinical research. It attacks the inflammation that's causing your pain. Those pain relievers, topical rubs you use, they treat the symptoms, but not the cause. And if you don't deal with that inflammation and only gets worse so whatever you're suffering with this is part of my daily regimen so i'd highly recommend you give it a shot as well uh give omega xl a shot to take on that stiffness that soreness that chronic pain that you're dealing with and you can get a buy one get one free deal from omega xl right now buy one bottle get the second one for free when you visit omegaxl.com slash steve again that's omegaxl.com slash steve or call 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. Yeah, flat earthers are uh, just another form of Gnostics. Uh, Question number three, Steve at SteveDace.com. Question number three, (laughs) is there a biblical subject outside of salvation and the core doctrines surrounding salvation that you have in your closed hand? So for people that don't know, closed hand, we've talked about this in the show before. That's where we have like our convictions that we don't bend on whatsoever and then uh in our open hand we have our positions and these are things that we even may feel very very strongly about but we don't think it it is a denial of a of a first thing that it's something that um may cause you to 
lose fellowship with God or anything of that nature. Okay. So you said, which were the two that you said? So do you have anything in your closed hand outside of salvation and the doctrines, uh, core doctrines surrounding salvation? Okay. In your closed hand. All right. Um, the divinity of Christ. Jesus is God. The divinity of Christ would be in my closed hand. Um, but doesn't that count? That as, counts as salvation. Yeah. Because that's how the okay. atonement happens. Yeah. I mean, okay. it, obviously that circle is fairly broad and yeah. okay. as it should be. Okay. All right. So, I mean, okay. You guys want to interpret it that way? Then I'm okay with that too. Then I would say, in my closed hand, anything beyond salvation. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess at the end of the age that Jesus is Lord. That would, yeah, the, the, that counts. Okay, I would put that. Um, I put that in my closed hand. And I feel like there's an obvious thing I'm missing that should be in my closed hand that I can't think of right this minute since we're putting a lot in the soterology mm-hmm. camp. So what would I put in my closed hand that is not, um, would sola scriptura count? Um, that's implied, but you can put that in your closed hand. Okay. I would put sola scriptura in my closed hand as the ultimate arbiter, not lone or exclusive, but ultimate priori arbiter of matters of conscience, truth, doctrine would be the scriptures. I'd put that in there. That's what I was hoping you were going to say, because what do you think I'm going to say? Uh, the opposite, yes. probably. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The Catholic Church is what it says it is because Christ himself founded it. I think for me, it has to be, it, it's more of uh, the, the principle uh, rather than um, kind of a theological a construct. But it's in the Bible, so it's theology, the principle of sowing and reaping. I may not know God's plan for uh, any anything, exact plan for anything. I do know that everybody will reap what they sow eventually that'll do it for today's program we're back at it again tomorrow noon to 2 eastern right after glenn beck here on blaze tv until then john 317 this is steve dace on the blaze radio network